things are coming down to the wire, and the Toronto Blue Jays have an exciting final two weeks that could yield a ton of possibilities. Will the Blue Jays host a wild card? Who will they play? Who should fans want them to play? Mitch Bannon and myself, Ethan Diamandis, will address all that and more in the latest episode of the Inside the Blue Jays podcast. Thanks for listening. Ethan, quick turnaround from the pod here. We, we had a beginning of the week pod, but it is crunch time. So we're doing an end of the week podcast too. Uh, the Blue Jays have what, 13 games left. We're running at a runway to do these podcasts and the Blue Jays are running at a runway to catch up to the Yankees in the American League East. It's looking like maybe a pipe dream, but also to to shuffle around in the wildcard standings. How, have your opinions on the Blue Jays changed in the last 72 to 96 hours? I'll tell you, I was a little higher on the bullpen at the start of the <laughs> at the start of the week. Um, yeah, that second game in Philadelphia was—I mean, the first game was something. Um, even then, Toronto's bullpen wasn't exceptional. Uh, but the second one, man, I get it. The Phillies are a good hitting team, First, and that crowd was ping ponging between uh, "we're so frustrated at our Phillies" to like "this is the greatest moment of the season." But yeah, like Jimmy Garcia, we talked about, man, him being an unsung hero, him being the guy, and he's quietly, you know, had three or four kind of uh, one run or two run outings in a row. I mean, this one, I think, was three earned runs that he got tagged with. But that shocked me. Romano blowing back-to-back saves, that was surprising as well. Um, So, I mean, I try to keep an even keel. So, big picture... No, not much has changed in terms of my expectations for the season. I don't think Toronto's even dropped. I mean, they lost to Tampa um, on Thursday, so that'll drop them down. But uh, overall, they've kind of hung around where I've expected them to be, and, and they're still very much in the conversation for the top wild card, right? Yeah, they they are currently the top wild card as we speak, but that's kind of changing every minute right now. They they Oakland was putting in work against Seattle. I think Oakland won two games against Seattle for the Jays, but the Jays couldn't really take advantage of that. They're still a game and a half up. I think the one thing that's changed in the last 72 hours is that I think I'm giving up on the division. Uh, I think yeah. the Blue Jays will not be contending for the division, even if they sweep the Yankees. It's like a pipe dream. You look at Fangraph's playoff odds. The Blue Jays peaked. They had 99.9% chance to make the playoffs the other day. They're back down to 99.2 right now, but those division odds are uh, 0.4%. So that's as low as they've been all season. I think we can probably really hone in on the wild card race. Uh, I don't know what the playoff odds are for the division right now. I'm sure they bet online still has odds up for the Blue Jays. But if you think the Jays have a shot, if you think they're going to sweep New York next week, you think they're going to run the table and pass the Yankees, you should definitely put your money on it because that'll give you a pretty decent payout, I think. And if you want to do that, you should bet over with our sponsors, Bet Online, who are the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events. You can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, and even golf. Uh, Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. 
You can head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join uh, and make sure you're to use your first sports bet. You can use our promo code Believe B L E A V fifty to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus and get in on the action. Uh, have you also given up on the uh, on the division, Ethan? Or you, do you still think there's a slim chance, a, so a greater 0. than 0.4 percent chance? So it's zero point four percent. That's you, if you did two hundred out of the park simulations, they'd make the playoffs once. Not even. <laughs> You'd have to get up to three hundred, and they would make it one point two times. I think. Oh. If you if you did a thousand simulations, they would win the division eight times. Oh. No, four times. Four times. Four yeah. times. Yikes! So th- basically, what that's telling me, Jay's got to go. Thirteen games left. You twelve and one, eleven and two. Like that. That's the only way you really got a shot. Yeah, and I mean. The teams they have to play still, I mean, that it doesn't seem very likely that that's going to happen. So let's move on from that. Forget all about it. These next 13 days for Toronto um, are going to be interesting, right? We're going to see at least two more bullpen days tomorrow. Or, well, today, Friday, the 23rd, is a Mitch White day. Um, I know Toronto's the underdog in this game, obviously, because of that. I mean, are we expecting anything uh, spectacular for Mitch White. I know you're kind of the uh, resident Mitch White expert, being a, a Mitch yourself, part of your strange uh, uh, cult. But um, the changeup, right? You said Pete Walker uh, and him have chatted about that. He's gone to AAA. He's been hammered in AAA. Uh, is anything going to be different when he pitches for the next 13 days? He get, he'll get a couple shots for sure. They talk to me after his start tomorrow, <laughs> and, and then we'll we'll figure it out. But um or start today, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, Pete Walker told me that he's got this changeup that he really likes. And they're kind of, Pete's working this changeup in more and more and more with the entire pitching staff. But he said White's is one that's really, really good in the bullpens. But then he kind of overthrows it in games. It's not quite there. It's a work in progress pitch. And I think the changeup, I'm sure you can speak to this, is is a pitch that like you can't just go out there and throw for the first time. Like, it's such a field pitch. It's such a pitch that you have to like sell as a fastball. You have to be really comfortable with it. That is probably a really hard pitch to learn and a really hard pitch to kind of master or change it all. So I don't know if it's going to come from this start. I don't know if it's going to come from this year, but if you want to look at Mitch White narratives, I think spring training 2023, we can reinvestigate this change up if it doesn't show up for the stretch run here. I'm sure that's what the fans are all clamoring for. Yeah, oh yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's what you want to talk about in late September is, is next year's spring training. <laughs> yeah, no, the changeup definitely is the toughest pitch to get a feel for, and that's why it's like a really big deal when you can find a prospect who has an established changeup, like a Ricky Tiedemann, right? Like that's part of the reason why he's so good is because he can always fall back on that and then tinker with the slider. Um, so that's big. Um, Toronto's rotation. I mean, we saw Stripling get knocked around a little bit in Philly. Um, that I'd was like to push up. back on that. I, I saw a bunch of headlines and people talking about how like he got knocked around. He looked like classic Ross Dribbling for those first four innings. And then he had like a tough fifth inning that they didn't really need him to get through because the state of the score. I, I'm not like, I'm not that you were saying that we should read into this at all, but I don't think, I don't think any differently of Ross Dribbling after that start than I did before him. He, he looked pretty good in those first four innings. Yeah. And, Safe to say, especially with how, I mean, talk about Jose Barrios having one standout bad start, right? Like, 
I, I think now the consensus is that Ross Stripling will probably be starting the third wildcard game. I mean, we never know. We never know what, what Schneider's going to do. Um, but it would seem in an ideal world that it's Manoa Gosman Stripling. Now, Schneider told reporters, including Sportsnet's Shai Davidi, that if it were to come down to a 162 and home field advantage was on the line, Schneider says he would start Alec Manoa in game 162, even if it meant he wouldn't be able to pitch in the wildcard round. A lot of discourse on the old Twitter about uh, about that strategy. Mitch, what do we think of that? I'm of two minds of it, because I do think I, did, I saw the backlash to that tweet for sure. And I do think home field advantage is exceptionally valuable in this series more than people understand more than any other series. Yeah. It's a three game series, right? It's a three game series. You get all three and there's no rest days on either side of the series. So if you're playing in Toronto, you're going from Baltimore game 162 up to Toronto instead of going Baltimore game 162 down to Tampa or across the freaking continent to Seattle. Like that's Seattle's going to be sitting pretty at home, drinking their Starbucks, waiting for you to come all the way across the country to play them in a three game series when you have no rest days. Like remember that game a couple weeks ago when the Blue Jays got in late at 4 a.m. And it was like the most defensively disastrous game the Blue Jays have played. Like Vlad had two errors in the top of the first. That's what the first wildcard game could look like if they have to go across the country to Seattle after that Baltimore 162. But, but, like, you need Alec Manoa pitching in the playoffs. Like, that's the other side of the coin there. Yeah. So maybe there's, let me see how the rotations work, but like maybe you throw a Gosman fine in 162 or you throw, you, you read, like, I, I, I don't know who it's going to fall to. Like, I, I get I think it. That's a great time to start Jose. Like, I don't know if you're going to be able to shuffle your rotation and make that happen, but yeah, like I think that's the time to start Barrios, be like, hey, go win us this game. This is your playoff game right now, is go getting us this home field advantage. And you can then kind of sell it to the whole rotation. It would be great. But also, like, if you can't beat the Baltimore Orioles in game 162 with Yusei Kikuchi on the mound, like, you're not going to be able to beat the Astros in a seven in a five-game series. You're not going to be able to beat the Yankees in a seven-game CS. Like, Every game at that point is going to be a must win and you're going to have to win no matter who's on the mound. So it's it's maybe not worth shuffling the rotation to give yourself that edge. Yeah. And I mean, we saw the bullpen day strategy work for them against Baltimore. Right. And I mean, I like that they're using Mitch White and I get like this bullpen looks ragged and tired. Like they do. They look worn down uh, in that extra innings loss uh, against Philadelphia. Um, but like, I would not be opposed even then if it worked the first time, like, I, the Trevor Richards at the top work through the bullpen. Like if the bullpen is rested, you say, Hey boys, you round them up. You, <laughs> you round up the group in the bullpen and you say, Hey, listen, the stakes are as high as they get. Like this is, I know you guys are going to be big in the playoffs, but this is where it starts. Right. And you use everyone. And I understand that there's no rest, but if you get Anthony Bass, you know, pitching in, in the sixth and even through to Mesa seven, Jimmy eight, Jordan nine, like that's as good as, uh, as it's going to get so i'm not the only issue with that is and you kind of alluded to to it with the rest there is like do you want to be using like all your big bullpen dogs in game 162 and then like you probably want to use be able to use all three of those guys 
or all of those guys for in all each, three days yeah, in each playoff game. series. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So like you, there's no answer. There's no good answer is the issue here. Like you don't want to have to worry about that. I mean, ideally the Jays will have, well, they'll, they'll have clinched by then, but they'll, they'll know their spot earlier than 162. It won't be a repeat of last year where everyone is, is glued to some, uh, some other game around the league, right? You want Toronto to be able to control its fate. And I guess 162 in Baltimore could do that. Um, there's before we jump into kind of the matchups, I want to gauge your expectations on what a good season is for Toronto, because I was asked this on the radio the other day, you know, what is, what is a successful season? What is a failure of a season for Toronto at this point? Right. And so I kind of thought like, you know, knowing this team and how hard they fought this year and how hard they fought last season too, I think getting into the playoffs is just a huge win to begin with. And I said, you know, if you're if the team is swept in the wild card, like that, that's that's miserable, right? That's that's not fun. That's a failure, I think. But if this team loses in the third game, you know, and if they're on the road, maybe and they lose in the third game, like I'm not calling that a. Of course, it's a failure. Any season you don't win the World Series is a failure. But to to expect maybe that this team will go to the World Series, I think, is a little. Um, optimistic i don't know what you think yeah i think it's it's interesting and maybe i am just too much of an optimist but the way i view it is like or the way i would like to think i can evaluate a season is like you look at how they did in the regular season and then going into the playoffs do you think this team had a chance to win the world series and if the if it was a good regular season the answer to that question is yes then it's i think it's a good season because like Wild stuff happens in the playoffs. We don't really know like what's going to happen. You get one bad bounce in a three-game series, and you're done. But uh, I think the way to evaluate it is just looking at that regular season. And the Blue Jays are probably going to win more games than they did last year. Like they're going to get to the 92 wins, and then like, uh, is that successful? Is improvement on last year successful? Like. I don't know if I, I don't think it's fair to judge them on a best two at a three in like Tampa for the entire season. Cause like three balls hit the catwalk and like the Rays turn a triple play and then their season's over. Like, uh, I don't know. I think it's tough with the best two to three, just like it's tough in a wild card game. Obviously, the expectations for this team are really, really, we're really, really high in spring training. It's supposed to be the movie. <laughs> you can say it, it has not delivered on that unless yeah. they go on a run in it's the playoffs. A- so, the movie's been a, a, a maybe a, a yellow Metacritic score. Like it's like a, a an IMDb scored user seven. You know, it's a decent movie. You might watch it, but it's not winning an Academy Award. That's for sure. This is no uh, three billboards outside something Missouri or whatever. That's has not been the Blue Jays movie this year. Yeah, that that would have been a good comp if I was, was loaded to what kind of movie it had been. But listen, it's not. <laughs> that could it's be an off-season been... podcast. What movie was what the Blue movie... 2022 season? What movie character is Vlad Guerrero Jr.? Um, yeah, like people who think that if this team doesn't make it to the DS or the CS, that it's a failure and you need to try and come back next year and do something different, I think are wrong. And I think maybe don't understand the the difficulties of constructing a baseball team that can sustain success for 162 games, right? 
And the luck involved, just the pure luck involved, like the health, the luck, the just factors that are outside the team's control. I think the way I look at it is maybe not of what's a failure, but if they win the wild card round, season success, you've won a playoff. Absolutely. Absolutely. If this team is is playing in the DS, yeah, they've had a successful season. Because then you're right there with the Astros and Yankees. And those are the teams you wanted to be right there with. Yeah. And it will depend who they play. But what will determine who they play in a hypothetical division series is how they finish this year and then who their matchup is um, for the wildcard round. So it could still, it seems less and less likely that it'll be Cleveland. It seems like Toronto will probably either be one or two uh, in the wildcard standings, meaning they're going to be either hosting a game or they will be playing a wildcard game on the road against either Tampa or Seattle. I think we've done, we've, we've, we've looked over, we've combed over some of the matchups and how they fit. Um, but we'll start maybe what's Toronto's best case scenario. Obviously they're going to be hosting. Um, I guess when it comes to that, I mean, you're probably, you'd probably rather face the Rays, I would think than Seattle. Yeah. If it's interesting, cause I think I would not want to be going on the road to either of these places for kind of the reasons we talked about before. The trop is the trop. Every Blue Jays fan knows, knows what's wrong with going there. And like the cross country trip to Seattle is a disaster waiting to happen. So I'm kind of, if I was the Jays, I'd be comfortable hosting either of these teams, but I I would lean Tampa too. I just think from a pure talent talent standpoint, from a potential starting pitching matchup standpoint, even with like all of those pitching unknowns with like Glasnow and Baz and McClanahan, all like 50, 50, if they're going to pitch for the rest of the year here. Baz is done. Okay, we can cross that. Glasnow is coming up to pitch out of the bullpen, which is scary, terrifying. Yeah, (laughs) imagine a game three wild card bullpen day when you're you don't know when those three innings of Tyler Glasnow are going to come into the game. Like that's terrifying. But as terrifying as that is, I think the Seattle Mariners are even scarier. So uh, yeah, I agree. I think hosting Tampa is the ideal matchup right now. Yeah, Um, Seattle. You definitely don't want to be going to Seattle, like you said. The no no rest day, cross-country travel. Um, Seattle, though, is a little banged up. I so, know yeah, Julio, Julio left last night, right? Yeah, yeah, he's got something going on. I know Eugenio Suarez is on the injured list, too, and those are their top two producers in, t- in terms of OPS+. Plus. Mm. Um, surprisingly, I mean, this it, it's a lineup that, to be honest with you, I haven't paid a ton of attention to, but going through the numbers, I mean, it's not an exceptional lineup. It's steady. Um, but like Jesse Winker hasn't had a very good season at all. No. Yeah. Adam Frazier, not really like JP Crawford had a very JP Crawford season, you know, 686 OPS. Like Wasn't he's he not... hitting like 400 for the month, first month of the season. Or yeah. Something like that. And like Ty France had a pretty good year, but like this is, it's a good, they're a good team. Their starting rotation though is excellent. It's excellent. And it starts with Robbie. Ray. Well, it doesn't start with Robbie Ray at the top necessarily. <clears throat> excuse me, but I mean, it's been Logan Gilbert this year. He's been great. Um, tapered off, I guess, a little bit in the second half. But Robbie Ray would pitch in a three-game series against Toronto. And because of some changing border laws in Canada, he could come to Toronto and pitch one of those games. What a story that would be. Robbie Ray, game three of a wildcard series in Toronto. Like, that's a sports journalist dream right there. So I don't hate that storyline, but yeah, I think the Mariners are maybe the 
second best rotation in the American League behind the Astros. Like mm-hmm. Gilbert Castillo, Ray, George Kirby. Yeah. Like his numbers are really, really good. Castillo, Marco Gonzalez is just right? like going to be watching from the sidelines in the playoffs, and he's like a very reliable starter. Like that's yeah. Those are not. Those are all three. Gilbert Castillo, Ray are There's three guys three. who can three. pitch a complete game shutout against you. You can just not get anything if they're on. So yeah, that's. There's That's your three wildcard starters, right? Yeah. Seattle is a deadly matchup, man. I'm telling you, like, okay, you can take you take Manoa versus Castillo. You know, maybe you're going to take Gosman versus Gilbert too. But are you take Robbie Ray against Ross Stripling? Like, is that the is that the matchup you're I'm like, no, that's not going to swing Imagine you telling a, a 2021 Blue Jays fan that, <laughs> yep, this is the matchup for your season. It's Ross Stripling versus Robbie but, Ray. But Robbie Ray pitches for Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, you're yeah, not. Right. Uh, I just wanted to hop back to the lineup. You're not afraid of AL catching home run leader Cal Raleigh. Cal Raleigh, twenty three dingers. He's actually had a, like a, a sneaky good year. Yeah, Cal he Raleigh. has. I mean, but, if you call a two hundred batting average and a two seventy eight OBP good, like I call it sneaky good. That's very <laughs> catcher esque. I bet I'm willing to bet his. Oh, he's a switch hitter. Okay, I'm willing to bet though that his splits are really skewed one way. Mm-hmm. Kalanick, too, didn't he? Did he play? He had, like, a, a good September for them, right, last year? Like, maybe he's a big moment guy. Maybe that October yeah, is when Jared Kalanick finally breaks out. I am wrong. He's almost, he's actually, well, he's better as a right-handed hitter, but his splits are very close. Hmm. So, no one knows how to get him out. Except for 82% of the time when he doesn't get on base. <laughs> All the strikeouts. 72%, yet. sorry. I can't count. But yeah, yep. Seattle, scary. Good pitching. Uh, I, I'm not super hip to their bullpen, but it looks like very comparable to Toronto's where they have yeah, kind I of three so. or four pretty good guys. And then like the depth is a bit sketchy, but like I'm curious what Mariners fans and what the Mariners look at the Blue Jays like. I, I have a feeling that they look at the Blue Jays in a very similar way we're looking at the Mariners right now. Yeah. Maybe there's a little more scariness in, in the lineup, but in a team where it's like, hey, that's a team I wouldn't want to play. Look at Gosman, look at Manoa. Like, those are guys you wouldn't want to face. So, yes, the Mariners are scary, but I also think it's a very fair matchup. Like, I think they're just I two so very similarly talented teams, and, like, that's why the home field advantage could make the difference. Like, and that's the edge. It would... Like you'd get your money's worth. It would be a great series, I think, between those two teams. Like they're very evenly matched. They've got some some young talent. Um, you know, they're they're both teams that are really looking to get back into the playoff swing for the first time in a while. Um, Seattle's never won a World Series, have they? Uh, I don't believe so. They haven't. They have the longest, like I believe, professional sports playoff drought. That would like it, it would be very I I don't know I haven't been to Seattle before but I assume it would be very similar like 2015 Blue Jays vibes where like this city is probably just popping right now and if they make the playoffs like it, it would be a fun atmosphere. Yeah, you got to think though if the series is in Seattle that there could be some Blue Jays fans who show up and show out make that a maybe a half they uh, they temper some of the uh, the Mariners home field energy. You don't think that they'd, they'd close the border on the day of those series just to give them a give them an advantage? I, I wouldn't Sorry. be too surprised. 
hey, sorry, guys, we're, we're doing random inspection inspections for seven hours at every single person trying to cross the border here. Let me ask you something, because we talk about how other teams look at Toronto. And if you watch some of like the visiting TV broadcasts, you'll see that like a lot of the expectation, I guess, around Toronto is that maybe they're a lot better than like what we see. And I get we do a podcast once a week and we're pretty cynical. And <laughs> at least I'm we're dissecting everything that, you know, could have gone wrong and where the expectations are and that this isn't good enough, yada, yada. I think around the league, generally, everyone thinks Toronto is a really, really good team and a really deep lineup, I think, right? And maybe this will be kind of a memo to myself and to Blue Jays fans to, to remember that, like, there's a lot of talent on this Blue Jays team. And their lineup is super deep. And there's just a lot of good hitters that that do different things. Like, you, there's it's hard to find a hitter like Bo Bichette, you know, in baseball. Uh, for all his flaws and all his strengths too, right? Like, and then you have the OBP guys, you have Vladdy, you have Alejandro Kirk, like as a catcher too, with high OBP skills, like that doesn't come around very often, right? Most guys are Cal Rowley or Danny Jansen, right? Like they, they'll have the low OBPs, but they'll hit for power. Um, so it's a unique team. Um, and I think there's an intimidation factor, I think on the other end, like, if I see Toronto, I mean, I don't know if Tampa gets scared. I don't know about their, I know their locker room has got some issues right now. <laughs> I know Yandy Diaz and, and uh, Randy Rosarena are fighting each other in the Tropicana field parking lot. But um, other than that, I mean, I don't know if these guys are worried about Toronto coming in, how they're feeling. Who knows? I mean, Tampa's been to the World Series recently, so you just have to assume that nothing phases them, but I don't know. Toronto's fierce and I think they'll surprise people. Yeah. I think it's like just because we know like the ebbs and flows that this lineup has had throughout the season. And it really hasn't felt like everyone's been clicking at the same time. So there's always kind of been something to pick at, something to talk about what can be better. But like third in MLB and OPS, right up there in runs, right up there in bat. I think they have the best batting average in the league, really good OBP. Like you can make a case that behind the Dodgers, this is the best lineup in baseball or the second best, I guess it would be like just from a production standpoint, you can definitely make that argument. Like no other team in the league has Teoscar Hernandez hitting sixth or like someone of that caliber. Chapman, like, right? yeah. yeah, exactly. Like those are 30 home run hitters, big RBI producers, silver slugger winners. Like it's, this is a really good lineup but it's also a lineup we've seen can be pitched to. And I think that is like the issue, especially against really good pitching. Like sometimes they take Zach Wheeler and put a six spot up on him, give him his worst start of the year. Other times Zach Wheeler can go first start back from the IL four or five innings shutout. Like it, that's just the reality of this lineup. And so it's going to be, they're going to be able to kind of dictate their legacy or dictate the story of their 2022 lineup with what they do in October. On a different note, because I was just thinking of lineup construction. I mean, <clears throat> yesterday we found out kind of the severity of Santiago Espinal's injury, right? He's got an oblique strain. He's on the 10-day. It doesn't necessarily mean he's out of the playoffs, but it certainly puts his status in question going forward. I don't think that's a big blow to Toronto. I mean, I doubt he would have been starting against a right-handed pitcher in the playoffs anyways, but I think he's an important bench bat, right? Like, 
he's a contact guy that you would use against left-handed pitching, you know, high leverage left-handed relievers. Because now their entire bench is left-handed. I mean, you'll have Whit Merrifield there probably, and two hit Whit, two homer Whit yesterday. But um, do you envision that making the platoon situation a little bit challenging for Toronto for the rest of the season and perhaps the playoffs? I actually view it as kind of simplifying things. Like, like it was weird when you had Merrifield, Espinal, and Biggio. Like you, you were using Cavan at first base sometimes. You were using Wit in corner outfield spots. I think that's a straight platoon for the rest of the season. Cavan plays versus righties. Wit plays versus lefties. Mm-hmm. And like it's, you, you mentioned Wit hit two home runs last night. This is his opportunity to take that role and run with it. Yeah. Like you're going to get playing time. You're going to get to the postseason for the first time in your career. You face Robbie Ray in a playoff series. You face Ryan Yarbrough in a playoff series. You're going to be in there, and this is kind of your shot. I, I do agree Espinal could come back, but if he's not back, or he can come off the IL for that last series of the season at Baltimore, if he's not back for that, I don't want to throw a guy just into a playoff series and like say, hey, no rehab, go get him. Here's yeah. Tyler Glass now. Like, so we'll we'll see. And I, I think if Espinal's he- healthy, you're starting him over Wit. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it'll be a straight platoon at second base for the rest of the year. Yeah, the only concern you have with Espinal being gone is that his defense is gone. Right? Yeah. Second best defensive second baseman in baseball this year. Yeah. And I mean, like we, the numbers don't like Matt Chapman. And for the love of God, we can never figure out why. No. But I, okay, so statistically, then Espinal is the best defender in Toronto's infield, right? So. He could play shortstop. He would never have to sub in for Chapman at third, but that could that could be an issue. But I think Toronto overall will be set, I think, defensively without him. Yeah, I think what you said there just kind of raised an alarm bell in my head. The one issue with Espinal going down, Matt Chapman's got to stay healthy for the rest of the year now. You don't have a backup third baseman on the roster. Like, Witt, Vigio. No, those are Vlad. Like those are your options to put over at third base right now. So yeah, if he went down and Espinal wasn't there, it's got to be wet, right? It, yeesh. I mean, yeah, it have to be. I think. Or can't go back to third. Who's the third? <laughs> Vinny Capra, like <laughs> Otto Lopez. I don't know if he's got third base. I think he's like an up the middle guy. Like, yeah, you're you're in trouble. But Matt Chapman has been. I don't want to put a jinx yeah. on Matt Chapman here. He's been We're not putting healthy. a hex on him, but <laughs> he's been healthy. So I think he would have to be like in a wheelchair to not play at this time of year. I think he's the type of guy that is, he's he's going to power through whatever's going on. Yeah. Well, this will be a big series this weekend. Wrap it all up against Tampa. And then Toronto will be back for a very exciting series against New York uh, at Rogers Center. You and I will be there. So anyone who's there, give a little wave to the uh, the left field foul pole. Mitch and I will be in our little spots. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a huge series. I always talk about big moments. Last year, Bo Bouchette hit a massive home run against New York. Kind of, I also saw Aaron Judge hit one into the, what was that old suite called above the scoreboard? Oh. A lounge of some kind. Yeah, the name's oh, not going to come name to I know, me. I was there for that one too. That was... Uh... I should that was like top that was like second batter of the game right that was a real I don't think I've seen a ball hit that far at Rogers Center before so against Robbie Ray (laughs) yep yeah they they tanked Robbie Ray um and last time we saw New York and Toronto I mean before that epic comeback game it was Anthony Rizzo 
hitting two jacks off Trent Thornton. Like it was, it was a dreadful game. That was the last time the Yankees were in Toronto. Wow. It's been a while. Yeah. And then they had that big comeback on Sunday. So it's going to be exciting baseball. We'll be there for it. I'm imagining Jays fans will be locked in for that series. And then come playoff time, we'll see what happens. Um, But we'll be back next week. uh, And we'll have plenty to talk about, I imagine. So thanks for listening. 